You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Ben Notes is our weekly jazz program going to air each Sunday night. Robert Burke is an Australian improvising musician who's performed and composed on over 200 albums, as well as touring throughout Australia, Asia, Europe and America, it sounds like the world really, over the past 30 years. He's also the coordinator of jazz studies at Monash University. A recent project of Rob's has resulted in a brand new album just released on the Jazzhead labelled entitled Power of the Idea. To tell us about that power, it's my pleasure to welcome to Bent Notes, Rob Burke. Thank you. I love the title of the album. It's a concept that I imagine would resonate in your teaching and research activities as well as performance, this idea of the power of the idea. Yeah, I sure does, yeah. It's, it's, it's very relevant. I've read that you're known as a practice-based researcher in music performance. What does it mean? Well, it means that my research is my performance so and my practice. Uh, and so I did my PhD... On, based on my performance and wrote about my performance. My, my, my thesis was my performance and I had a supporting exegesis which I wrote about what my performance was about and, and situated it, I suppose, uh, within the parameters of, of research. A live performance is research. Sure. Wow, I've never thought of it that way before. A live recording or or or, or whatever it's a, it's, it's a investigation we, when we play music we we research music we listen to music so it is it is research but uh, at the internet uh, sorry at the university level you have to it's a little bit deeper than that because you have to you have to articulate why it is research and what's the answer I wrote about what did I write about? I wrote about it was very complex actually, but I, I wrote about the, the way I uh, played music in as much as uh, I, I, I tried to focus on my compositions, how I formulated my compositions, and uh, the history of the, my performance. So who I'd learnt off, who I'd listened to, and how that was situated into my performance, and how I manipulated that history to be in the moment. Looking at what you're doing right now based upon what you've learnt in the past from the various musicians and others who have had an impact on you? Yeah, so I uh, analysed my performance. I analysed my past. I, I went back to records, to people I transcribed, and then I transcribed my performance and I, I identified what was um, from the past or from the people I studied, and then I looked at what was more so that I had developed and what was new knowledge within that? Okay, so you're looking at what you've done to identify where it's been influenced by others and where it's something brand new from yourself. That's right. That must be rather challenging, I would imagine, to do that. It was. I, I loved it. Did you really? Because if you ask anyone that's, that's doing their PhD and they sort of say, oh, yeah, I'm really bored with the topic, I was, how could you be bored about talking about yourself? <laughs> Well, no, that's a good thought. I like that. <laughs> so I just studied what I was doing. But more so I was studying, it was about the language, learning, you know, learning academic language, which, which was enjoyable as well. And, uh, you, know, learn, you know, you become more articulate with what you do. But also you, it really gives you direction in where you're going with your music. And I found that to be really important. How do you apply the outcomes and learnings of your research into new situations of performance and learning? Both in terms of yourself and then as an educator to others. 
Well, it's um, I've always I grew up in uh, uh, learning of people like Brian Brown that we talked about uh, learning about your voice and uh, identifying your voice in music. But I had to go after finishing my studies with Brian. I had to go out and learn as much as I can about the uh, about the idiom harmony, and that was a huge study, which I still do, of course. But now it it's about me understanding what is my voice and how that reflects in my projects and the people I play with. The power of the idea is about that in-the-moment situation where an idea is played. I don't want to be somebody that plays well-worn licks. So if I'm playing... I know everyone talks about transcribing and their tradition. I've done a lot of work on that, but I don't really want to be somebody that copies the past i want that to inform what is now and what is the future for me so so when i'm playing if i'm playing with people i want to develop that idea that comes it may be influenced by the past and the tradition but we're in the moment and we're developing that idea so in in a way i'm not trying to go here is i'm mapping out here's the history of of jazz i'm going here's an idea or playing here is an idea and I'm going to develop that idea, and I'm going to converse with fellow musicians on that idea. The power of the idea. Were you essentially, or do you think you were essentially undertaking research in music before you knew what you were doing? Or was it only when you actually sat down to do your PhD that you started to really research? I did my Master's, and I didn't really know how to research at, that, at, the, at the high level. But reading, reading tells you a lot about how to research and also it makes it also it's interesting because we're in a time with practice-based research it's all new because i'm i think i'm one of the first people that actually talked about myself in jazz there's everyone if you look at phds or that and that and, that, and the and the like most people write a phd about somebody else or the historical content or cultural content or anthropology or whatever practice-based research about one person's about my own playing you know, it's a ethnographic approach. It's not auto-ethnographic, which is more of a, you know, I don't want to get into detail about it, but it, mine was, was very detailed in about what happened in the music and how that was reflected in the, of, of my past. Do you think that having done that, you've been able to use that to encourage your students to think more about what they're doing and how they're being informed in their performance? I do, but it's a it's an advanced way of thinking because the students have got to get as much as they can, as much information as they can down, you know. They've got to practice, they've got to get their instrument to a certain level. What I do promote is a reflective approach to their practice. So they it's instantaneous reflection and then it's reflection later. I get them to record it, the, their performance as much as possible. And I get them to write out, uh, to, to write journals as part of their assessment. So that's that's a form of, of practice-based research. We're talking to Rob Burke here on Bent Notes on Joy ninety four point nine. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy ninety four point nine. Find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Tonight we're talking to Rob Burke about the power of the idea. And Rob, we've just heard uh, a little bit about your research and your practice-based research. 
let's have a look a little bit more about your career. You've had a very busy career. You've played with a large number of artists. Of artists. So I've looked down the list and it was so long I would have had, it, had to have pages and pages in front of me. <laughs> and we could have taken up probably the entire show just by reading through the list of artists. Has improvisation always been at the core of your musicianship? No, because when I first started playing music, it was... Uh, uh I started. I was a classically trained musician, and then I started to play with big bands, and that was the music of the time. And then in the late seventies and early eighties, it was about early, earning a buck, and there was no jazz in Melbourne really. There was Brian Brown playing at the Commune, but fundamentally, you worked in the theatre, TV shows, did sessions. I played in a lot of pop up with a lot of pop artists, and then after a while, I I thought to myself there's more to just playing the saxophone and playing uh, these this type of music i mean i really wanted to study in new york but it was a, a whole different world then it wasn't in the early 80s it wasn't like today why did you want to study in new york because it's mecca just because it's the mecca of jazz yeah and you knew you wanted to get into the jazz world yeah so these things these things take time you know i, I it was as i say it was different times and uh, and I had to go through the process of, of, of doing as much as I, ca- I could at that time, you know, to to take the advantage of of playing in different situations. But on the side, we we're always improvising as well. You know, there was there's lot in a way pop up venues, and because there was no jazz club, so we had a lot of pop up venues where we'd go and improvise and play free jazz. Or there wasn't much bebop or straight ahead jazz in those days. It was really much living in the times in Melbourne. And a little bit different to Sydney. Sydney was very much, uh, very much playing. Don Burroughs was the leader at the time, and people were playing straight ahead jazz. A lot of people were playing much freer in Melbourne. And I suppose that was the influence of Brian Brown. But things changed later in the eighties and nineties. Bennett Slane came along, and and the, that changed things. So you've seen the life of Bennett Slane from start to finish. Oh yeah, and the other jazz clubs around. When you had those pop up. Uh, events were they events just for the musos or were they events where you had audience members both the melbourne jazz cooperative was very important and uh, that's been going for over 30 years which i'm I'm a member of the board on that and i'm i'm very passionate about uh martin jackson again he was setting up pop-up venues and uh in those times also there was the the people like later mid to late 80s there was people like vince jones and and kate soprano on jazz projects, um, I was involved with it with the Kate Sobrano jazz project at that time. But Vince was very important because he employed musicians and people. People got paid well, you know. Uh, I remember, you know, we were all getting two to three hundred dollars a gig in the eighties playing jazz. Amazing, that's the type of thing you're looking for. Well, you know, it was a living, and it was a living playing jazz, and people would come out and see that sort of music. Did they come out and see it? In hordes because there was this special entity there at the time, this pop-up entity to, to go and see? There was a pop-up entity, but it, more and more uh, venues started, uh, Tankerville Arms and, uh, and, and the like. That, uh, there, was the I, there was IDs uh, and those sort of venues that were, were, were up. But that, a component of their week was as a jazz venue, the Continental in the 90s. They were, it was a, you know, they were great venues and it was a great time for music. It was a really brilliant time. And music, musicians got treated really, really well. But you couldn't make a living as a jazz muso at that stage? Well, I did you at did? that time. But uh, I was sort of, well, you know, when I was playing jazz with Kate at that period, we, for a couple of years, we were, we were playing jazz. 
and then um, we would tour. We went to to uh, Edinburgh Festival. We played at Ronnie Scott's. We went all over Asia, and uh, and and then I in, in, on the side I would play do some corporate jazz gigs, and then we, and then we do up our sorry play at our sort of pop up jazz venues. What was so special about these pop up jazz venues? Were they venues that? Just popped up at a moment's notice, or were they organised well in advance? They were organised, you know. But uh, RMIT, I think, in Story, I can't remember the, the venue. Martin organised the concerts there, so there'd be it's like a venue. But they we, we'd organise jazz events at those venues. So I call them. I I, I sort of just label the pop up venues. But it's, it's a you know. And I remember in the eighties we. Well, I, did, I, was, I was part of it, but Tony Norris um, set up a room in Clifton Hill and seven nights a week there was jams and, 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 uh, and the like. And they lived there as well, so it was all very hippie-ish. No doubt well attended by the musos who wanted to be in the jazz world. That's right. You know, it was, it was all very self-contained. How does that compare with what the, the young musicians of today have available to them in terms of the, the clubs and the like? Do, do you see the, uh, the musicians that you're uh, educating doing similar things but within the environment that's available to them? They have their own pop-up venues as well. They, I mean, it, they might play at, at jazz clubs, but they, what they do is they have like an improvisers collective, I think there's one of them. They've got a couple of groups going. They were actually set up by musicians that have been pa- uh, established musicians that have been passed on to the younger generation. Say, now you know, we've set it up, now you fix it. Well, you, you continue Conti- this. Continue, continue the, the this. style. Yes, yeah, so they'll have nights at certain jazz venues. And sometimes we will play as part of those those series. But you know, the, the younger, you know, the younger generation, it is it is it's tougher in, in a way to make a living out of music. It was a lot easier when I was younger. There's a lot more gigs. There was, a lot, but there wasn't the jazz gigs. So so in a way, the jazz environment is much much stronger now. Improvisation the culture is much stronger. We're talking to Rob Burke about his brand new album, The Power of the Idea and Improvisation, and anything else that comes to mind while we're here. Bent Notes on Joy 94.9. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Find more Joycasts and show blogs, go to joy.org.au. And then we've also got a message from South Yarra. Another one. Another one. Uh, I think, therefore, I jazz. A beautiful mind is essential to wonderful creativity and great music. Thank you, South Yarra. Actually, a beautiful mind is essential to wonderful creativity and great music. Do you need to have a beautiful mind, Rob? Well, there's, uh, there's a lot of beauty in music. And you need to identify what the beauty is, the aesthetic side of music, and be aware, not just so much in the detail of the music, but the spiritual side of the music and also the emotion of music. So um, I, I think this is very important, uh, and especially as you, as you develop as a musician, this becomes more and more pre- prevalent. You move away... or you. It's not move away, but you're very much more in the moment of those elements of music because you develop the technical facility to play and it's just a vehicle to be able to express oneself. Growing into music, you're playing the notes on the page, getting the technical side of things right, but at some point you start to realise that you can do the technical stuff now Play from the heart, play from the mind. Yes, yeah, playing from in the you're in the you're in the moment, so you you're not really uh, worrying about the actual notes that you're playing. 
they're important. What is in the moment is is that conversation with other musicians and the beauty of what you're creating, whether it be, you know, beauty can mean a lot of things. Beauty is something different to everybody. Sure. What's beautiful to you may not be beautiful to me and vice versa. So it is in the eye of the beholder. The power of the idea, the album, you've conducted lots of conversations on that album and we're talking there about musical conversations Mm. and you talk about the album as an investigation of the various connotations of transversal approaches of melody in composition and how this informs interactive improvisations based on free improvisations. Now, can you give that to us in plain English? The power of the idea for me is about creating, someone creating an idea and really developing that idea as a part of a conversation. I, what we've tried to be is risk takers. We're not trying to follow the, this is the way it should sound. We've gone, okay, I'm going to take it to the unexpected and keep taking it to the unexpected and see what happens with the, within this conversation. I learned a lot with this one track on this album and it's, it's by Paul Williamson called Mood 2046 and, uh, and it was a really poignant moment for me because it's a ballad, it's a beautiful tune written by Paul. I guess to a, uh, a point where um, the instruction on the composition was about, uh, it says, free improvisation with the bass. And he started playing with me and he wasn't going with me. He wasn't playing with me. He was playing something very different. It was still very beautiful, but he wasn't in my tonality. And this is a very advanced improviser in Mark Elias. And he's played with everybody. He's played with Stan Getz, you know, in his early days. But he's played with everybody. He's a real leader in the New York scene. And it was really, it was so, it was an amazing point. It was like a light bulb went off. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, he's, he's playing in a whole different direction and it still sounds really, really good. I'm going to follow this, follow this. So really, this is, this is something that really helped me inform me for the rest of the, the CD, but it's really made, it, made me think about what I want to do with my music as I go forward. You, you've got into a piece of music there, haven't heard what you were expecting, because that's what you've been expecting, but you've actually gone with that conversation in a direction. I've taken a different path. He's not following me, but he's following me. But he's taking, he's added a whole lot of, of tension, more tension, more tension, more tension. It still sounds very beautiful, but it's, we're not follow, I'm not following, I'll, I'll use a technical term, we're not following it diatonically. So we're not in the, in the, in the scale. We're not following that tonality. He's taken on a different tonality, and I'm, so I'm thinking, oh, I'm left in limbo. So I'm, I've got this decision to make. As I play, so it's a, it's a, you know, it's one of those moments. When people listen, they, you know, they wouldn't know this, but this is why I think it's really important in in academia. Historically, we've had the musicologists and critiques talking about music from the outside. What a practice-based researcher does is they talk about music from the inside, and that's what I'm talking about right now. Is that revelation that I had, and I can talk about it and express what that is. That's the insiders observance of this moment in working through those pieces of on the album in the studio i I read that you didn't necessarily give the musicians lots of direction about what you require just sort of set a uh, a framework and then essentially let it happen does did that mean that the session was a difficult session where you 
had to restart some of these things as it did went off the tracks or was it one of these sessions that you started and it just flowed all the way through to the end let me set the scene for you we're in new york we're in brooklyn and it's hot and when they have when they actually record they have to turn the air conditioning off so it's really quite hot that you just you could imagine that and when we played, we, we, we did a few rehearsals, and then and they're difficult tunes because they've got difficult time signatures. So everybody's on edge. But when it came to the improvisation, they're such good players that they are in that moment. They, whatever they do, everybody is ready for it, ready for the change, ready to take it where it needs to go because that's the sort of... I selected musicians that were like-minded and had a real understanding of this approach to improvisation. Let's let's just take it wherever it goes and take a risk. And the better the risk... I mean, we listened to Wayne Shorter, and I, one of the things I loved about Wayne Shorter was when he made a... Not a mistake, but it was a choice. He really went with it, and that was the most exciting part of the music. And I went, wow, check out that. He's sort of... He's broken the mould and gone with this, and, it's, and it sounds amazing. Isn't it often the way things happen? You look at live television, live radio, is the tension of what's going to happen next, and that's where the good stuff comes. And it's like in popular music these days with the, with all the, the calculated approaches. It can be, you know, can, can be exciting when you hear the, the, the fantastic product that comes out. But everything, everything is worked out. Auto-tune. Everything's in tune, you know. Like, I, I, I remember recording some stuff and giving it to a vocalist, a very well-known vocalist. And I said, I've done my bit. And they said, right back and said, oh, it's out of tune. I said, no, it's not out of tune. No, I don't want, that's the way I want it because that's got character. That's why I play. I, wanna, I don't want it to be perfectly in tune. Maybe you've been listening to too much of that style of music but you know what you need to go and uh listen to saxophone because saxophone every note's not in tune that's a computer we're talking to rob burke on joy 94.9 Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Find more Joycasts and show blogs, go to joy.org.au. We're listening, we're talking to Rob Burke from Monash University and he's released a brand new album on the Jazzhead label called The Power of the Idea. The album, Rob, we've heard a few tracks from tonight and you've just been talking about uh, Mood 2046, how that developed in a, a different way to what you'd been expecting. On that one, Mood 2046, were you talking about the year 2046? I think uh, Paul Williamson, uh, you know what, I always get him to uh, to uh, tell the story about it. It's about two films that he loves. I think one's called I'm in the Mood for Love and the other one's 2046. I actually don't know. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's two of his. It's, it's written about, or was influenced by two films. The musicians you've got on the album are high profile from both America and Australia. Just share a little bit about each of them, if you wouldn't mind. We've got uh, Mark Helios on the bass. So it's Mark, it's Mark Elias. Elias. That's right. Uh, Mark Elias is a really, really uh, great bass player. He's well known to a lot of the musicians here in Australia. And Scott Tinkler and the like. Um, Dave Addis. He's recorded with Dave Addis and... and uh, Paul Grabowski really introduced me to Mark Elias. Mark Elias is a, uh, was a bass player that played with all the greats. He's about 60 years of age, a bit older, and he's uh, he lives in New York, and he's got this great uh, ensemble called um, Open Loose with Tony Malaby and uh, 
Tom Rainey. Tom Rainey was here for the Jazz Festival with, with Mark Hannaford. And it's one of my favourite groups. And I really wanted to play with Mark Elias. So uh, he, he's a great improviser. And he, he what he brings to the bass and to the group is he, he, he's so well-versed in so many different styles of music. Classical music. He plays the bow really well. And also in, in opening up sounds on the bass. And so he's a really important, important person in the world of jazz. And the next is Nasheed Waits, who's a real drum star. He's, you know, he's, he, plays with, he plays with the greats. Um, and uh, and he does, he, he's done a bit of the pop thing, but he's playing a lot with uh, Jason Moran at the moment. And he's, you know, he's, he, his dad was a, quite a famous drummer, Freddie Waits. Uh, well, he was a f- famous drummer, Freddie Waits, and uh, so he was. Uh, Mark, who I converse with regularly, he suggested getting Nasheed. I didn't think he wanted me to get Tom Rainey because that was too close to his Open List album. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's obviously Paul Grabowski, who's you know he. Uh, Paul is is a brilliant person. He's a brilliant musician. He's a brilliant person. He he uh, he's a very interesting person to be around. He's incredibly well read. And his knowledge in music is just unbelievable. He brings, he has such a repertoire of ideas, and to have him involved, and I, 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 I look back and I listen to the music. I converse with with um, Paul a lot, and it, and it's just a great person to be around. You know, he's an amazing Australian musician of the highest order internationally. And then there's Paul Williamson, who's a very good friend and works at Monash University. He's an amazing trumpet player and uh, he's, he's a really good friend, so we love playing together. And he's also very lyrical and he's, he's just a great trumpet player. And then there's Jordan Murray, which I've known, who I've known for a long while. Jordan is, is a terrific trombone player. You know, he's, he's probably one of the better trombone players in the world. And I, and I only say that you know he studied in the USA, and I remember going to a um, to a, a rehearsal with with um, Winton Masalis, and he, that he'd organised for the students. And the trombone player said, "Oh, Winton, this is my friend Jordan Murray." And Winton said, "Did you bring your trombone?" So you know you have to be pretty good for Winton Masalis to go up to you and say. Do you want to sit in? And did you bring your trombone? You know, so. Oh, what a thrill, though, to be asked. That's right. Yes. So, you know, he, these, these these players are of, of the highest order. They all bring something different to the music. They all bring, and that's that's reflected in, in their compositions. And, and also, they're very strong in their ideas and their character of what they are and who they are. And uh, and they don't, they don't try to be somebody they're not. Which just, is really important. Just in, be themselves. Be themselves, exactly. As both, as I've read, as an improviser, but also as an accompanist. That's right. So you'll notice notice on the on the sea. There's a lot of duets, trios within the horns. I've I've, I've been exploring this for a while, playing with Tony Gould uh, and uh, with Nick Hayward and and Tony Floyd as a saxophone player. I didn't want to just be the soloist. I wanted to you know I wanted to play supporting roles so i've been exploring this for a long time the whole notion of horn players being or everybody in the band being an accompanist and being a soloist or you know that that middle ground of it when everybody is just playing together but not being the souls or not being the accompanist they're just playing the idea sort of okay. getting back to the big band era where the band plays together in some ways yeah in but more in, in, in an improvised context yeah. yeah the album itself you're launching over in America, 
at Smalls Jazz Club. What a thrill that will be. It's going to be a great thrill. And I've always, I've played a few times in New York, but as a... Just for different projects aside, besides the sidemen, and uh, but this is under you know the um, under my leadership, your own banner, for my a own banner, and yeah. uh, and it's, uh, the band is a little bit different. I've got uh, some fantastic players playing. I've got Paul Grabowski's coming over. We're we're running a um, annually run a course there with our students at a, uh, NYU, I should say. So we've got uh, Paul's coming with me, and I've got a next student, James McCauley, coming over. Yes, young trombone player who's just unbelievable in the trombone. He's an amazing trombone player, so he's he's just thrilled. We've got Gerald Cleaver on drums, uh, Mark Elias is playing bass, and Ralph Alessi on trumpet. So wow, it's all star lineup. What a lineup! An amazing way to launch a magnificent album. And then coming back to Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, that's um, with uh, we've got Nasheed Waits coming, and also Mark Elias. So we'll be uh, we'll be playing the music, uh, the, this music. We, we are, we're still working on the venue. We look forward to finding out what that venue happens to be. It's a fantastic album, Rob. Thank, Thank you. you very much for coming in and uh, sharing some of your thoughts on the album itself. If uh, if you'd like some more details about this particular album, have a look at the Jazzhead website or just search for. Power of the Idea, Rob Burke, and it'll come up lots of interesting information. And I often comment about covers of CDs, if I like them, and this one I do love, Rob. Thank you. I looked at it first, thought, oh, it's very colourful, and then looked at it a second time and realised that within the album cover itself it says Power of the Idea. You'd mentioned before we came on air that there's something special about the shape of the cover. It's a brain. It is a brain. Which which is an amazing thing to look at in terms of the name of the album being Power of the Idea. Because, of course, all the ideas come from our brains. Sure. So it's a great little album and a great uh, uh, interpretation of uh, of the ideas with the, the brain on the cover. Sure. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's done by a very good graphic designer. Very, it, mm. I, I would agree with that. It's just, just got something about it that mm. jumps out at you. Paperstone Scissors was the company that designed it. My favourite track is The Big Show, which we heard of a little earlier in the night. I think Hello Waits is my second favourite and TikTok is my third favourite. It's certainly going to get a little bit of uh, airplay here on Bent Notes over coming weeks. Right. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here on Bent Notes tonight. Appreciate the time and uh, your energies to, to pop into the studio to talk to us. All the energies you've put into getting the album together are well worth it and uh, I will look forward to having an opportunity to see the the show uh, when you're here in Melbourne live. Great. Thank you, Rob Burke. Here is Mood 2046. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au.